Welcome to Bible Insights with Wayne Conrad. The unfolding of your words gives light. It imparts understanding to the simple. Today I want to ask you a question and talk about the whereabouts of Jesus. Actually, I want to ask you several questions about Jesus. When I say the whereabouts of Jesus, I'm asking, where where is he? Where's the location of Jesus? We often get uh, alarms, you know, about people missing, and perhaps we can identify a car that they might be in, and we're out looking for them for their location because they seem to be missing. Well, Christians, we celebrate the arrival of Jesus as a baby uh, through the womb of the Virgin Mary. It comes upon that season, about once a year it rolls around, Uh, In December, a traditional time of recalling the birth of the Logos, the Word who became flesh, who did so by means of the virgin birth. And we celebrate with great solemnity the death of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary and following that, the glorious resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. After that We don't seem to talk much about the location of Jesus, but I want to talk about the location of Jesus today. Exactly where is Jesus today? And I know the simple answer to that is, well, he is in heaven. But you know, the Bible is a little more specific than that. The Bible states that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father in heaven. He's at the right hand of God, the Father. Now, that's an amazing statement, and it's an extremely important statement because the right hand of the Almighty God is the arm and the hand of God's almighty salvation and of his deliverance. It's the hand of his victory, the hand of his activity that brings about redemption, and establishes and brings about his eternal purposes. There are many places in the Bible that we can go to to find answers to our questions, but specifically in answering the question about the whereabouts of Jesus, I want us to primarily look at just two or three books of the Bible as I answer some questions about the whereabouts of Jesus. Uh, Listen to this. Where is Jesus today exactly? Well, there is a testimony of one who saw him in this location. It's found in the book of Acts, verse 55. And Stephen, who is the first Christian martyr, is being stoned to death because of his witness to the Messiahship of Jesus of Nazareth before the various Jewish leaders. And they rush upon him and begin to plummet him with stones. And as he begins to die, he cries out that he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. Now, why is he standing? Well, he's standing to receive Stephen, this great martyr of the faith. Here's what that Bible says. And he, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven, and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Now, he's standing at the right hand of God because of his reception of this one who is laying down his life for the cause 
of Christ in the earth. But ordinarily, the Bible portrays Jesus as sitting at the right hand. In fact, the book of Hebrews in chapter 8 and verse 1 says, the whole point of his book can be summed up in this. Now, the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne in majesty. Now, why is he at the right hand? And how did he get there? Well, let's talk about how how he got there first. The Word, John chapter 1, verse 1, was with God in the beginning. Whenever the beginning began, the Word was already with God, and the Word was God, John 1, 14. And the Word became flesh. That is, he took to himself humanity and was made man, specifically the man Christ Jesus, the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. So he took to himself a body in his incarnation. Now that was prophesied in Psalm 40, verses 6 through 8. And Hebrews 10, 12 through 13 specifically says this is what happened. So how did Jesus get to be in heaven at the right hand of the Father? Well, he got to be there by means of the body of his incarnation that was laid down in death on behalf of his people. Here's what Hebrews 10 says, For when Christ, or but when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. Now, the author of Hebrews is citing Psalm 110 and verse 1, which reads, a Psalm of David, David is speaking, the Lord, David says, the Lord says to my Lord, and the word Lord there is Yahweh, Yahweh God says to my Adonai, my king, set it my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Now, Jesus himself used this verse of Psalm 110, verse 1, to point to his own self as the fulfillment of this prophecy, for he is the greater son of David. So he asked the scribes and Pharisees in Mark 12, 36, and Matthew 22, 44, David himself and the Holy Spirit declared, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. Now, if he's saying this, then to whom is he referring? Who is this son of David? And Jesus was indicating that he himself is the fulfillment of that. He is the greater son of David. This greater son of David is the king of the kingdom of God. But in order to have the subjects taken out of the kingdom of darkness under the domain of Satan, under the dominion of sin, he must lay down his body of the incarnation as the atoning sacrifice for sins, a once-for-all offering that atoned for the sins of his people for all time. So by means of his death, followed by his glorious resurrection in three days, and after that his glorious ascension into heaven after 40 days, Jesus takes his seat at the right hand of the Father. That is the sequence. And those who saw him ascend into heaven in Acts 1 indicate this great truth. And he's coming back again in that same body, 
the body in which he was incarnate, the body in which he laid down his life as an atoning sacrifice for sin. The Apostle Peter, on the day of Pentecost, proclaimed this great truth. Acts 2.33, he says about Jesus being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself said, The Lord said to my Lord, Set at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord, that is King, and Christ, the Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucify. The author of Hebrews states in 1.3, And he, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So this is how Jesus got there. It's also the means by which he got there. Now, why is he there? Well, he's there reigning. He's reigning from heaven over the kingdom that he is establishing here on earth. Now, his kingdom is present. Is present now in its invisible but visible form. I know that sounds strange, but you see, it's invisible because you don't see it established as a political kingdom, but it is a kingdom of the people who are associated with him, that are joined to him, unionized with him in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit implants faith in their hearts and they come to believe in Christ and they're joined to Christ and they are transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, the kingdom of his dear son. The present of the kingdom of God on earth now, somewhat in a secret form. Everybody said stone that's been cut from outside of the mountain, Christ Jesus and his people, and that stone will ultimately destroy all the kingdoms of this world order and establish the one great eternal kingdom of God. Why is he there now? Well, because his people who are still on earth in this transition period still have to conquer, overcome sin and temptations and the trials of this life. Is there bear witness for Christ here in this world? He is there to intercede for us. He intercedes for our behalf. Here's the testimony of Paul. Who is he to to condemn? Christ Jesus, Messiah, Jesus is the one who died more than that he was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Hebrews 9, 12 says, He entered once for all into the holy place by means, not by means of blood of goats and cats, but by means of his own blood, thus securing eternal redemption for us. And there are many reasons why Jesus is in heaven, but these are very crucial for us for our experience as Christians, for our lives as Christians here on this earth. He is there on our behalf as our advocate interceding for us. He is there as the down payment of our inheritance that is to come. He is the earnest, and we shall surely follow him in that great day when he shall return to earth in power and in glory. So that's where Jesus is today. And that's why he is there. Now, how long will he be there? Well, he's going to be there until he has put all of his enemies under his feet. 1 Corinthians 15, 25. For he must reign 
until he put all of his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. This is all in fulfillment of Psalm 110. Verse 1, a psalm of David. The Lord, Yahweh, says to my Adonai, to my king, set in my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. David himself declared, the Lord said to my Lord, set in my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. He's going to be there until he puts all of his enemies under his feet. Now, the description of that is given for us in the book of Revelation. You'll find it in Revelation chapter 19. When the rider on the right horse comes and all of the enemies of Christ are put under his feet. You see, you can come to Christ now. Here's how we should respond to Christ. Psalm 2 tells us we should be aware of who he is. He is the great majestic king who's made atonement for his people, but you must believe in him. To believe in him, I must surrender to him, to his kingship. I must come to him as a supplicant looking for him to save me, to bring me into his kingdom, to wipe away my sins, to give me a new heart, to grant me the life that follows after him. Psalm 2 says it this way, kiss the son. Submit yourself to him in utter belief, in abandonment, love and devotion. For he's worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our obedience. He is worthy of our loyalty as his subjects, more than that, as his dear children, the children of the Heavenly Father. Oh, Christ is many things to us. He is our redemption. Here's our sunshine. Here's our song. He is our life. He is our access to the Father. In him we delight. In him we know God the Father. In him we have eternal salvation. Oh, come to the Son. Come to Him now. Kiss the Son. Yes, it's the kiss of obedience. But by His grace, it's also the kiss of affectionate love and worship. This has been Wayne Conrad with Bible Insights, telling you the whereabouts of Jesus of Nazareth at the right hand of the Father, interceding for you if you believe on Him, but reigning until he puts all enemies under his feet, all who disbelieve and all that are opposed to him. Christ is coming. Christ is coming. And we look for him. He is, he is closer now than he's ever been before. Wayne Conrad with Bible Insights.